The scripture reading today is from Numbers chapter 27, verses 1 through 11. The daughters of Zelophehad, son of Hefer, and son of Gilead, and son of Maker, and son of Manasseh, belonged to the clans of Manasseh, son of Joseph. The names of the daughters were Mala, Noah, Hagla, Mikla, Tirzah. They came forward and stood before Moses, Eleazar the priest, and the leaders and the whole assembly at the entrance to the tent of the meeting and said, Our father died in the wilderness. He was not among Korah's followers who banded together against the Lord, but he died for his own sin and left no sons. Why should our father's name disappear from his clan because he had no son? Give us property among our father's relatives. So Moses brought their case before the Lord, and the Lord said to him, What Zelophehad's daughters are saying is right. You must certainly give them property as an inheritance among their father's relatives and give their father's inheritance to them. So to the Israelites, if a man dies and leaves no son, give his inheritance to his daughter. If he has no daughter, give his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, give his inheritance to his father's brothers. If his father has no brothers, give his inheritance to the nearest relative in his clan, that he may possess it. This is to have the force of law for the Israelites, as the Lord commanded Moses. The word of God for the people of God. I would say Matt overcame his fear of public reading many names that are hard to pronounce. Hey, you did great. I mean, who, who among us can say that we know any better? If anyone knows better, don't feel compelled to come up to me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. <laughs> Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, send your spirit upon us, that as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. No one stands alone, we'll stand side by side. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. I don't know if any of you remember years ago, we did a sermon series called Draw the Circle Wide, and Nancy, who, bless her heart, is home with COVID right now, um, made like this circle thing out of, I don't even know what, but it got bigger and bigger and bigger. It was so cool. Um, trust me on that. Many years ago, in my first pastoral appointment, I served a small congregation in a very large sanctuary. Like many churches, this particular building was built in the heyday of that community when hundreds would show up weekly for worship and money was abundant. Thus, the construction of a sanctuary with lofty ceilings that could hold hundreds. Fast forward to 150 years later, 
when I would lead worship to a cavernous room filled with about 45 people. Now, at that church, we had one usher, one usher, bless his heart, his name was Mike, a gentleman that held it as his sacred duty to make coffee on Sundays, shovel the steps when it snowed, and greet every single person that came into the building. Every single Sunday, he passed the brass plates around for the offering, ran the microphone up and down the aisle for sharing of joys and concerns, and generally was my go-to guy for anything I might need. I loved Mike and trusted him because he had the best interests of the church at heart. Now, periodically, Mike would complain to me about how people were scattered around the room, often with individuals having a whole row to themselves, or clustered in small groups of twos or threes. How does it look to visitors, he would say. The sanctuary looks empty. What we really need to do, what's going to help the church grow, is if we rope off the back pews and make everybody sit forward. Um, If we're all together, it will look like a crowd. This, this, what he was um, insistent about this. Now let's be real. At this particular church, up in the mountains, we didn't really get visitors. Maybe once or twice a month, and usually it was my parents coming to hear me preach. And I wasn't quite convinced that our little handful of people would look any mightier huddled all at the front of the sanctuary. But Mike was insistent and kept threatening to rope off those back pews, which I did not want. And so I started during the opening of worship inviting people to move forward to get a little bit closer to know your neighbor so i did that for a little while but mike still wasn't happy he would grumble because there were a few people that kind of never moved and particularly this one older lady who sat in the back about quarter of the sanctuary and would politely stay where she was it bothered mike Did I mention that he was insistent? So finally, one day before worship, I walked up to Beth, and she was there in one of the back pews. And I explained that we were really trying to get people to move forward, just to feel a little bit, you know, cozier and intimate in our worship setting. And she said, that's great, Sandy. I'm all for it. Yeah, other people can move forward, but I can't. Because the speaker is here in this window that I sit by. And if I move forward, I can't hear. And for the first time, I noticed the placement of the speakers in the sanctuary. There were huge windows, and there were two at the very front, like facing me, not helpful for people in the pews. And the other set were at the very back, the back set of windows. That day, I told Mike, we were going to let people sit wherever they felt most comfortable. (laughs) Instead of constricting the community of faith, we were going to draw the circle wide. 
In our scripture story today, we have kind of an unfamiliar story. Who knew about Salophahad and his daughters? I, I was like, this is just vaguely familiar, maybe from years and years ago, one reading of this text. And we have five daughters. And what is so amazing and important and frightening to Matt is that they are all named in the text. Often in the Bible, women and children are not named. They're just lumped together or just said that there were women or there were children. But in today's scripture, we have these five daughters of Zelophehad named. Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milka, Tirza. And all those little ahs at the end mean God. So that's kind of a, a fun remembrance of these names. That they are named signifies that these women were important and that they did something worthy of note. Now, according to ancient Israelite tradition, only sons could inherit property or anything, really. Women could not have the right of inheritance further demonstrating the status of women at that time. However, despite this, Zelophehad's daughters challenged this long-held tradition, the way things are, the structure of the society, by going to Moses and the other leaders to advocate for their, their father's property upon his death. Amazingly, amazingly, instead of keeping to the long-standing cultural traditions, the leaders didn't dismiss these women, run along now. Instead, they listened, and they considered, and they brought this matter to God. You know, the law says this, but these women are asking for something else. In the scripture, we hear that God listened and affirmed what the daughters were saying. And God even said, what Zelophehad's daughters are saying is right. And as a result, the legal code was completely rewritten to give inheritance to one's daughters if they have no sons, and then to the brothers, or then to the brothers' sons, and on and on down the line. You heard, you heard that, right? And while it may still seem a little lopsided to our modern ears, this was an enormous step for women and their rights as people with dignity and worth in the ancient Israelite tradition. So we're challenged today to consider the circles that we draw and the assumptions that we make. Maybe we consider someone in a different and needful situation to be uneducated, unhealthy, or maybe just unfit for certain privileges or rights. 
Now, some of you know that I live my life by a few different TV shows that I just kind of watch on repeat, repeat, repeat. Some of you have heard me say Office is Life. It is. But also, close second, Parks and Rec. In Parks and Rec, there is a character played by Amy Poehler. Leslie Nope is her name. She works in the Parks Department in the city of Pawnee, Indiana, and she has high aspirations of being the first woman director of the department and ultimately the first woman president of the United States. But in one particular episode, and there are kind of echoes of this throughout the series, in one particular episode, she calls together all of the past directors of the Parks and Recs Department for a special feature in the summer catalog. All of these past directors are men. And there's one particular conversation that she has with one of the older gentlemen, who used to be a director way back when, who says to Leslie and pats her on the hand, that women could never be in real leadership because they get too emotional during their monthlies. We roll our eyes and groan at comedy like that, and there's something so crookedly funny about it because comments like that are so real. Just ask any woman in leadership how many times their clothes have been brought into question, the voice or their hair, oh me, the hair, all the time, the hair has been talked about for years. And compare that to men's experiences. Or watch the Barbie movie and try not to cry during America Ferreira's monologue. We wish that it were better than in Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milka, and Tears' time. And it is. But there are still many circles that women are just not invited into or valued in. I told you before one of my favorite stories of the um, Methodist Episcopal Church back in the turn of the 18th 1800s into the 1900s, and about a man named Bishop Edward Andrews, who at the General Conference of the Methodist Episcopal Church barred the ordination of women like Anna Oliver and Anna Howard Shaw, because he said it was unlawful to ordain women. And in his argument, he finishes with, and finally, the reason why women should not be ordained is because they are women. I love that story. It's little more than a hundred years ago. And maybe the rhetoric has changed some, but not totally. In our scripture story, God draws the circle wider to include those on the margins. And today we may have talked about women, but there are so many that are kept out. We are challenged to consider what traditions in our church, in our community, in our world, inadvertently or explicitly exclude a person or a group of people. My prayer today 
as we continue this sermon series called I See You, as we seek to hear other voices and see people's need, is that we might hear what the need is from people who are on the margins and not impose our own ideas upon them. Because that is the way to truly invite people in in equality. That is the way to draw the circle as God, wide as God would have it be. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. No one stands alone, will stand side by side. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. I pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen. <laughs>